Hello friends and welcome to your unplugged midweek Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I am Mark Heath. Joining me today is just one king, but let's be honest, the others are away. He's the most important king. It's Stuart Stone Cold, the Dr. Watson friend. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, KOA is, is bringing its own squad rotation and keep, keeping the squad fresh in these early stages of the new season. It's important, isn't it? Uh, and I, I say unplugged because no doubt you'd have noticed at the start and end of this show, if you listen to it at least on Wednesday, um, there is no intro music, there is no outro music, there's no editing whatsoever because friends, Hutchie's away, Roscoe's in Budapest, and even the big porker actually knows more technically than I do. Um, so I don't know how to add any of that stuff to it. But it's important we brought you a show. Obviously, Town played last night. Um, so you get a rare Heath and Watson connection today. I hope you enjoy it. It can overlook the rest of the bells and whistles because we're going to be reading you straight fire on today's pod, I'm sure. Uh, without further ado, Stewie, um, already got hit up on, on Twitter this morning by, by Steve Mellon, formerly of this parish and friend of the show, not technically. Um but he's saying, where's where's the Stewie and, and Andy reaction from last night? Of course, that's because Roscoe's in Budapest. So he's said no one to upload that video or indeed film it. Um, so let's start the show with that, shall we, Stewie? Imagine that I am your erstwhile work husband, Andy Warren. Although I'm going to be much quieter in this segment because I didn't see the game, clearly. Um, give me your thoughts, such as they are, post-game musings from Burton. Hard-fought victory that falls very firmly in that description of a football game. Um, we talked in the in the preview show about what Burton have been in the past, and I, I mused whether they would still be that after any summer changes. They were. They were a very awkward opposition. I, I talked about how they repeatedly just put the ball in behind and on top of you and just hope that something bends and breaks eventually, that, that one slip in concentration and, and they're in. Um, from the very first minute, the tone was set. Um, long ball in behind. Greg Lee, I think, headed it off for a throw-in. Um, Tom Hamer, I keep calling him Ben Hamer. Ben Hamer is the goalkeeper, isn't he, that used to play for Charlton. Tom Hamer. With the, with the long throw into the box. And Ipswich just about survived that. It's only in the last hour or so that I've seen some footage, fan shot footage from behind the goal that I've appreciated how big a save that was from Christian Walton. Um, it looked like the ball had sort of come back off the crossbar from, from our viewing near the halfway line. And then the guy had managed to just head it the wrong side of the post or it deflected off of a defender. It was all a bit of a crowded area, but I don't know if Walton gets a little touch with an arching back to put it onto the crossbar, but he certainly gets up again quickly off the floor and makes a hell of a save, a world-class save to keep it out. And um, yeah, that was, that was a theme throughout the game, calling upon Christian Walton. We'll, we'll talk about him probably in a bit more depth as, as this conversation goes on, but Ipswich were under the cosh big time in in that first half and it was a it was a relief to get into half time nil nil um and then they regrouped and there's a moment of quality from Marcus Harness um again pops up with a goal and uh, a one nil win another win for, for Ipswich Town and they'll be mightily relieved to uh, escape from the Pirelli Stadium with three points in their pocket 
Mm. And if I was if I was Andy Warren right now, I'd probably say something about it being a, a different sort of challenge that Town faced last night, Stu, uh, as they've encountered thus far in the season. A physical, direct side um, really had to fight for it in the trenches with each other. Um, uh, so would you agree with that? A, di- a different sort of town we saw last night? Yeah, we thought it would be. McKenna told us it would be. Um, and it was that sort of game. It you talk about two teams having different footballing philosophies and who can who can make it their sort of game. And Burton mm. made it their sort of game. Knowing what's coming and dealing with it is, are two different things. And um, the, all credit to Burton. Uh, there's no football snobbery from me. There's different ways to, to play the game of football, different ways to, to win games of football. And if you're a team like Burton who are in that, we're talking about League One being a, a division of two halves, mm. um, if you're one of those teams in, in that sort of bottom half group, you have to find ways to win football matches, whether that's parking the bus, whether that's time wasting, whether that's being direct and physical, um, it works for them. And they, they've had a, a poor start to this season and uh, they reacted very well um, last night. So Ipswich, um, this is the sort of test again, a bit like Forest Green, um, that we we kind of file in the a game Ipswich probably would have lost or or mm. certainly not one last season. Um, my mind sort of goes back to Cheltenham in the early stages of last season, who had just just come up. Um, they had the the long throw from um, Toza, the, the guy, their captain, who went on to sign for Wrexham, and and Ipswich eventually sort of buckled under that and lost two two one there at Cheltenham in the early stages of last season. Um, so to have to have dug in and got the three points is is just another little tick in the kind of. Um, things that Ipswich have addressed from last season. They're just, um, you know, Forest Green, a game they probably would have, from a two-goal lead, may have wobbled and, and lost. Um, didn't happen this time. MK Dons at home, a game they were playing really well in, were on top. And this time, clinical, got the second, got the third, killed it off, something they mm. probably wouldn't have done last season. And then again last night, awkward, physical, chaotic game of football. Again, they would have probably buckled in last season, not this time. So it just all adds to this sense that that things were a little bit different this time and Ipswich have, have got a few answers to a few things, hopefully. Fingers crossed, obviously town. We won't mention it too much, but went a point clear at the top of the table last night, very early doors. And I enjoyed the quotes from Greg Lee after the game where he said, it's games like that that bring you together as a team. Um, and I guess in life, you think about it, it's, it's all very well, isn't it, when you're, you're having things all your own way uh, and things are coming quite easy to you, as maybe the MK Dons game was on Saturday. But it's where you really have to dig in and kind of have each other's backs and, and battle, isn't it, in the trenches. In, a, in, a, in any kind of walk of life, that's when you really start to build bonds with people. Um, so I think Greg Lee was spot on with that in terms of that being an important game for town going forward. Let's go rewind all the way back to pre-kickoff, Stewie. Um, obviously, I mentioned Greg Lee there. There were changes made. We expected changes to be made last night. Um, what did you make of, of the guys who came in? I guess the, the, the kind of surprising one, at least in, in terms of where he played, was was Caden Jackson. Because I was looking at the four, at the team when it came out, and I actually even texted you. So is that four four two? Because you think he's is he going to come in? And you, play? I think what you actually asked was um, it was the Mike Bassett quote. Yeah, it wasn't was. It? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, but no. So KJ obviously. I wasn't there. I haven't seen the full game, but KJ played in, in the Wes Burns role, which again is obviously something we have to talk about. So what did yeah. you make of the changes and, and also any kind of update on, on Burns? Yeah, three changes, one enforced. We'll start with Wes Burns, who was who dropped out of the 18 completely. Mm-hmm. 
Kieran McKenna said afterwards that that he felt a bit of a niggle in the warm-up ahead of the MK Dons game, had done really well to kind of get through that game and play as well as he did, but just felt a little bit sore leading into this. And I think it was a bit, bit of a precaution to to leave him out of that one. Um, we've talked a lot about being very careful with Wes Burns' manage. With, I don't know the exact nature of this, this niggle, but he had a few little... Achilles problems that he nursed at the, at the front end of last mm. season. He, he played a lot of football, been away with Wales. So that was that was hopefully just pre- precautionary and sensible with, with Shrewsbury away coming up on Saturday. Um, there were different options to, to fill in for him. And I'll be honest, I thought the next person in line to play that sort of Wes Burns role was Kyle Edwards, judging by pre-season. McKenna spoke a lot when he first took over about kind of... Um, nurturing Carl Edwards to, to be the kind of backup or, you know, the, the backup man to, to Wes Burns playing on the right. We, when he first arrived, we saw him play on the left mainly, but McKenna clear, clearly sees him someone better on the right-hand side. Played there quite a bit in pre-season. So did Kane Vincent Young, actually. He got quite a few minutes in that sort of right wing-back or, or right winger role in pre-season. So I would have thought that one of those two would have got the, the nod, but it wasn't. It was Kane, Caden Jackson. Um who is another player that, that Kieran McKenna clearly has a lot of time for, likes his attributes, likes his pace, likes his work rate. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's a right. The thought a few years ago of Caden Jackson playing right wing back would have been unthinkable, <laughs> but let, let's be honest. It's not, it's not a right wing back role in the traditional mm. sense of the word. It was, he, he did exactly what Wes Burns does played a very, very, very high line. Once again, we spent the whole game talking about, is it a back four? Is it a back three? It was that same sort of usual hybrid system, I would say, with with Caden Jackson sort of playing quite high in that right wing back role. And much like all of the Ipswich Town players, he found the first half quite difficult, stop, start, scrappy. Ipswich couldn't get any flow or rhythm or momentum, but but grew into it in, in the second half. And I thought, first and foremost, defensively, put in a really good shift. There was one moment where he he raced back and, and sort of tidied up in, in his own box, which I thought um, was really good. And then second half, there was a few changes, which made a, a triple substitution. He ended up going and playing up front. And then I thought he was, he was a threat with his running in behind there as well. So um, I think he could be quite pleased with his, with his contribution, Caden Jackson. Mm. How about the other two? Uh, Greg Lee and, and Shawnee Aluko came into the side. Um, it sounds again like it was very much a, a team effort. They did okay? Yeah, I think that was probably horses for courses a little bit. There was probably a combination of the energy expended in the sunshine against MK Dons with that really high-intensity press on Saturday probably came into McKenna's thinking a little bit of just making sure that he's utilising his squad and, and keeping sort of people happy and ready and keeping them their minutes up um, and probably also a, a fair chunk of sort of having Burton's style of play in mind, especially with Greg Lee, who, as you you spoke about after the, the Bolton game, is, is is very athletic, powerful, has got a big leap on him. Hmm. So I'm sure, you know, there was a there was an element of that in, in terms of his selection. That first minute long throw that I've just discussed, actually, Greg Lee didn't didn't do particularly well with sort of clearing that. He ended up sort of glancing it on in, into the danger zone, but he he got better and better in, in terms of that that side of things. And McKenna and Martin Pert, I think, had a word with him telling him not to not to stick it out for a throw-in. They became very alert to to that as, as the game went on and, and he got better and was was very much a part of the, the clean sheet. Um 
I guess Sonny Aluko was probably selected just to, to add, try. The, the theory would have been to try and add a bit of calm and control to proceeding, someone who can put his foot on the ball and, and slow things down, but it just weren't weren't able to utilise him in, in, in that manner during the first half. Just that that was that was credit to Burton for not allowing that to happen. But um yeah, it's just isn't it great that you can make a couple of changes like that and you've got players of, of you know you can you can dip Connor Chaplin out after a really, really good performance and bring bring a player like Sonny Aluko into the team. You mean Shawnee Aluko, obviously Shawnee, sorry. <laughs> no, right then. I, sorry, mate, Carol. Well, we've established that. That was yeah, yeah. rookie era. Shawnee. Right then, prepare yourself some top-notch punditry now, Stu. Christian Walton, he's dead good, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's dead He's dead good at keeping the ball out of the net. Um, yeah. I've already sort of mentioned that ridiculous save in, in the first minute, um, which has only just come to light through through that sort of camera, camera footage. He's, he's down on the floor and he gets himself back up and sticks out a big, strong hand. Um, and he made a couple of other really crucial saves. There was um, one in the second half where where Luke Wolfenden, who mm. we talked in the previous podcast, has had a bit of a, a bit of a sloppy start to the season. Slack back pass from him. First of all, Walton is quick off his line to force the Burton attacker wide. Then he retreats. He gets back on his line. The ball gets pulled back. It look, looks for all the world like um, Hadmi, who was. Very impressive up front for Burton. Looks big, mo- big target man, but mobile as well. Mm. Walton keeps the ball out with his legs from from close range. Big, big save that. That came about four minutes before Ipswich um, broke the deadlock. Um, made another good save in, in the first half as well. But it's not just the saves he's making. It's his all-round game. Burton got a lot of balls into the box, high balls into the box. And he just comes and collects the ball. High. I mean, we, we used to rave about Bartosz Bielkowski, rightly so, for being a great shot stopper and his mm. highlights reel was was outstanding. Um, but there were other parts of his game, perhaps I, I would say, that Walton is, is better at commanding his box, at, at, at coming and collecting those high balls and taking the pressure off the defence. And his distribution was great as well. There was times where it was getting a little bit frantic and frenetic and... and um, with the ball at his feet, Walton was very calm, picked a pass. You know, it would have been easy for goalkeepers to start slashing long, long balls clear under pressure and playing into Burton's hands and sticking it off the pitch for throw-ins and, and letting them regroup. But he was he was very calm and picked some nice ground passes and uh, a, a near faultless performance from Christian Walton, who has been outstanding, really, um, for Ipswich and, and is, is too good for this division, really. Mm. Starting to develop a bit of an aura around him, isn't he? Aside from the confidence he gives defenders, it's that kind of aura that great keepers have that you think going into a game has to be playing on the minds of the other side. The strikers are obviously will be watching highlights going into games. Um, and you start to think, bloody hell, even, even if they find themselves one on one going through against him, it's going to be there in the back of the mind, isn't it? This is this is Christian Walton. Um, I'm about to try and be anyway. Uh, another guy who's, who started very well, but probably in a more low key way, other than the goals. Stewie, uh, Marcus Harness, three goals in three games. By any measure, that's an incredible start to his career at Ipswich Town. Um, and again, a bit like we spoke about maybe on on uh, on Monday's pod, he's yet to really hit full stride. Would you say? Yeah, he's not been a player that you look, you assess his sort of whole ninety minutes and say, he's, mm. "Wow, he's completely dictated this game." He's been at the heart of things from 
throughout and things like that. But he's he's popped up with big moments at big times. We talked about Wood which missed that from the man that previously played that sort of inside left forward role, Bursant Selina. Well, Marcus Harness has, has done that. He's had quiet moments in games. He's had sloppy moments in games. I think he kind of um, self-deprecatingly tweeted last night to say, I couldn't keep hold of the ball, but at least I found the back, back of the net. Um, he was one that gave away a really sloppy back pass in the first half that Wal- Walton got him out of jail with with a save. Um, but his his finishing inside the box has, has been outstanding. And he's scored three different goals now mm. that have been three completely different types of goals. Forrest Green was an instinctive turn, left foot, bang, top corner. Mm-hmm. Um, MK Dons was a, was a right place at the right time, bundle slash gobble up the rebound. And then this one, he had a little bit more time after he collects the ball outside the box, has a couple of touches to work his angle. And, and this one's off the right foot low crisp into the bottom corner um and Ipswich needed that big time the game was you know I just mentioned that there'd been two big chances at either end um the one that Walton made the save from but before that Ipswich had a, a, a big one with Freddie Ladapo who again was a, a bad back pass that, that mm. put him through one-on-one um so his wait for a goal goes on Freddie Ladapo but Marcus Harness um Marcus Harness has got three and three and I think um he said that he was going to smash the numbers out of the park that he got last season at Portsmouth. 12 goals, six assists. Well, he's well on the way to doing that already. So, yeah, it's looking like a very good sign in that one, hopefully. Indeed. Let's hope we don't see the kind of Gwion Edwards burnout from when he started the season. Like his shorts were on fire after Roscoe tipped him. Certainly very good. Um, and Ladapo, obviously, you mentioned there. Let's talk about him by way of a, a segue into something else. Four games now without a goal. We've all said how important it is for him to get a goal. And he had a big opportunity in this game, didn't he? The sort of opportunity that when you're a striker who, who wants a goal, you hope for, you wish for, um, and a bad touch and it got away from him. Um, again, what, I don't want to keep asking you the same sort of questions, but what did you make of him um, last night, his work rate, etc.? Yeah, once again, work rate was good. I thought he, he played his part for the mm. team and, and we've talked about what, what the nature of this game was. Mm. I thought he played his part in sort of work, working hard and facilitating others. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticise or bring any of that all-round game into question. But in those sort of games, your striker maybe get gets one or two chances at best and you, you hope that they take one of them. He wasn't able to do that. There was one in the first half that was half chance, maybe a little more, where, where he got into the box and sort of dragged his shot wide slightly unconvincingly. Mm. Um, and the one in the second half was a big one. But back pass, he's in one-on-one and it's it's a... It's a horribly heavy touch that kind of takes the ball, um, to, to allows the keeper to come out and smother at his feet. He might have taken it first time, actually. We scored a really good chip, didn't he, in pre-season mm. against Needham Market. Keeper's well off his line in no man's land. You're wondering when it first comes to him if he's going to just dink the goalkeeper. And um, But yeah, it's, it's a heavy touch and um, he's contributing for the team. But as we've said plenty of times on this pod, the, lo- the longer the wait goes on for a goal for, for a striker mm. who's just signed for a new club, it just um, just festers a little bit. Probably in his mind, it starts to create a few bit of noise on social media amongst fans and, and things like that. But um, I'm sure I'm sure the goals will come for Freddie if he if he keeps performing uh, as he has done so far. Yeah, he's getting the chances, which is the main thing. Um, Stewie, are there any other notes from last night? Because by way of talking about strikers, there's something we do need to talk about, which is away from last night. Anything else you want to mention about the game from last night? 
can tell you some things away from the game. Yeah. And Andy and I's experience of, of always. The match. Yeah. Well, Rory, Rory Delap was. We spotted Rory Delap in the stands. Um, not quite sure what his Burton connection is. Rory Delap or why he was there. Um, but he was. He was not far away from from the press box. And Stephen Ward was also there, former Ipswich player who. Um, was also there as well. Um, and Andy Andy nudged me and I went, look, look, those two are going to see each other in a minute and I bet they're going to greet each other like old friends and keep looking, keep looking. Sure enough, they, you know, big, big man handshake, big hug, greeted each other like old friends. And I was that close. I wanted to shout, oh, Stoke friends, oh, <laughs> Island friends. But the joke would have been on me because we Googled it afterwards and they, they never played together. I didn't realise no. that they're actually they're actually too far apart in terms of eras. That made me made me feel old when I realised how long it is since Rory Delap De hung up his boots. But um, yeah, he, he got a, he got a great bird's eye view of those long Ben Hamer long throws under under the original long throw specialist's nose. There was yeah. one that Hamer absolutely messed up at the it's end Tom, of the first it's Tom, half. It's Tom Hamer. Tom keep Hamer. Tom Hamer. Yeah. Hamer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's, it's stuck right. in my head now. Tom Hamer, he, he wound up the long throw and then he he tripped just as he was about to throw it, and the ball just trickled onto the pitch to big sarcastic cheers from the Ipswich fans. So that was um, that was good. Um, journey home was eventful. Yeah. First of all, we get in the car about I don't know half eleven at Burton. Andy sticks. Andy Andy said, "I'll do the drive home today. Thanks very much." Sticks on the sat nav, says he just clicks home on the screen. Three hours, he goes, yeah, that looks about right. I went, mm, I don't know. I just had an instinct. I went, I'm not sure about this, and I just, <laughs> I sort of zoomed out and out and out on the screen. Home on the sat nav, inexplicably, was set to Taunton, which was <laughs> equidistance from from what would have been a journey home to Ipswich as well. So. Had Andy just sort of blindly followed that, I really don't know at what point we would have uh, it would have dawned on us that we were heading towards the southwest. Right? Who'd been in? Because that's a, that's a pool car, right? Who'd been in the pool car driving to Taunton? Well, I'm I'm questioning some foul play here. Maybe maybe <laughs> maybe one of our colleagues on the news desk has thought I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with the sports boys. I'm <laughs> gonna <laughs> set the sat nav to Taunton, so there'll, there'll be an investigation into that. Great banter. Um... You want to feel old, Stu? You mentioned there. Rory Delap's son has just signed for uh, Southampton, hasn't he? Um, Stoke, isn't Stoke. It? Sorry, Stoke. Excuse me. What we're talking about? Stoke, where Delap is a first first team coach, isn't he? So there you go. Uh, and if you want to feel even older, obviously Ian Wright's grandson is now playing professional football. Um, I don't know. I'm not long for this world, Stu. Now it's, <laughs> it's clearly obvious. Um, right then. So strikers, Stu. We've talked about the Dapo, um, and we have to talk about. Macaulay Bond, someone we've talked about a lot on here because there's a story that's that's kind of broken overnight. Um, he was left out for QPR last night, despite the fact they had a lot of injuries up top. Um, QPR boss has come out and said, essentially, he's going to be asking to leave, I reckon. We already know he, he said he wants to come back to Ipswich. Um, and you've got the, the Bond number is open. 18 is open in the town squad still. So you can put two and two together and probably make seven. But um, what, what do you make of this Bond scenario, Stu? And obviously, there's also the George Hurst um, shenanigans to throw into the mix as well. What do I make of it? Um, are we putting two and two together and coming up 
with five here, possibly, but it just feels to me, and it, I've just had this little gut feeling in the back of my mind that all roads might, I don't know if it's the romantic, football romantic in me um, making me think this, but all roads might lead back to Macaulay Bond. Um, he, he, he started in pre-season, lots of games for them. I think he got four goals in pre-season. Mm. He's, he stepped off the bench in their first three championship games. He started their League Cup match at Charlton. So it looked like he might be working his way back into, into the picture. Michael Beale had obviously sort of said his quotes about Macaulay being misquoted, um, which we, we've addressed in, in the, the lengthy interview that Macaulay did with us. And it looked like they were trying to kind of facilitate a kind of um, a situation where Macaulay could kind of uh, make a real go at it of QPR in the final year of his contract. But it's not looking like that's the case now. They had a young academy teenager uh, on the bench ahead of him last night, um, Sinclair Armstrong. And he's basically said that there, there'll be one or two that leave before the, the transfer window closes and, and quite heavily sort of hinting at Macaulay being one of those. Um, my understanding is there's there's plenty of interest in Macaulay, a mixture of teams that want to sign him permanently, teams that want to sign him on loan. He's in the final mm. year of his contract, as I say, at Loftus Road. So he's going to have to think very carefully about what, what he wants to do at this stage of his career. Um, will Ipswich go for him? Um George Hurst clearly has been the, the prime target for, for much of the summer. We've, we've reported quite heavily on on that. The, the latest report coming from the Portsmouth News down on the south coast. Obviously, Portsmouth is the club where George Hurst scored a lot of goals on loan in the second half of last season, is that he's now going to sign a new contract with Leicester and they will want to loan him to a championship club, see if he can you know, do it at a higher level and, and ultimately... Um, that will kind of test whether he can keep following the pathway towards the, the Leicester first team ultimately. But um, I think Ipswich will, will keep going for Hurst until mm. until it's impossible. And then if it gets late in the day in the transfer window, have they got other irons in the fire or is Macaulay Bond the backup? I, I know it splits people's opinion big time. I can see that every time he's mentioned on social media and, and very strong ends of the spectrum as well. There's people at absolutely no chance Hmm. One goal in 30-odd games or whatever it was, dreadful second half of last season, always offside. It will feel like, you know, we didn't want him at the end of last season. It will feel like a bit of a, you know, going back to someone that we didn't really want at the start of the window sort of thing. For me, and again, maybe it's the romantic in me, maybe it's because I've, I've spoken to him and heard that passion so burn so brightly um, from his own mouth about how much he loves the club. I'd be all for it, to be quite honest. And um, I think that post started quite well. I think Jackson's got a lot to offer. Um, and I think McCauley would be a really good addition to, to that that front line. I think, um, I think Ipswich are a better team now. Hmm. I think he'd be able to hit the ground running because he knows he knows the culture. He knows a lot of the players. He'd be able to slot in quite nicely. You know, if you're signing someone completely new, that might, there might be a bit of a bedding in period there. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Ipswich are seriously looking at him. He may he may not be anywhere near the top of their list. He might not be near he might not be second, third, fourth choice. I don't I don't know. But um personally, I think I'd be for it. And 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 it's hard not to read into the fact that, that number eighteen shirt got left vacant as well. It it, it is hard not to. 
Hmm. How do you how would you see him fitting though, Stewie? Uh, in terms of there's a lot of chat, wasn't there, when he departed, and um, fans talk about him potentially coming back. Oh, it just doesn't fit. Doesn't doesn't do what McKenna wants. Uh, but you would obviously think that he could fit into this team. Yeah, he'd just be slugging it out with with that opponent Jackson for that sort of central starting striker yeah. role. Um, it's easy to say now that that you know there are options, but we'll we'll get deeper into the season if either Jackson or Ladapo get injured for any period of time, and it, it can happen. Jackson missed a chunk of games at the back end of last season. Then I think Ipswich's front line would suddenly start to look quite light. I, I know I said before I'm quite laid back about adding another one because Chaplin can can play there. John Jules can play there, but. Um, I think you've got to kind of future proof yourself for the for the for the Saturday Tuesday winter schedule that that is to come and is testing of you. Um, and if Macaulay Bond doesn't break the bank, um, then then I'd like to see it. I think he'd you know he'd, he'd come in, he'd put a bit of pressure on mm. on Freddie Ladapo, and he'd be a, a different option. I think for different different games. Okay, well, let us know what you think about that. Um, the other kind of when we're having this striker chat, Stu, obviously there's, there's a kind of forgotten man already in the building, and I just mentioned this because he's popped up on social media today. Tyree Simpson, clearly, um, the ongoing Tyree Simpson saga, um, which has been going for a while now. It, it kind of, well, he's been apparently he's been replying to fans, um, saying two sides to every story and, and this kind of thing. Um, any signs that's going to get sorted out, Stu? Because regardless of what side of the argument you're on, I think anyone can argue this has been handled really badly by both sides, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's not a great look for town to have called him back and stopped a successful season for him. And equally, there's obviously issues on the other side as well. So any kind of hope this this gets resolved in, in a good way? Uh, I'm sure in hindsight, both parties probably have some elements of regret if they knew mm. that this, this is the kind of standoff that they would reach that maybe those back going back to January things might have gone a little bit differently as I've said before I can see it from both sides point of view Tyree Simpson has had interest from championship clubs will feel that he's got a certain worth in in the game Ipswich Town and through Mark you know Mark Eston has talked about Ipswich Town having to kind of not be walked all over by agents and and drawing their line in in the sand so I don't really know kind of what else to add to that. I think there's too much water under the bridge now for that that situation to be salvaged. Ipswich hold all the cards there. You know, they're not desperate to get in any money from him. I think their their view will be if someone makes them the right type of offer, then they'll do it. If they don't, then they'll probably allow him to kind of, for want of a better word, sort of rot away from the mm. away for the first team for a year. Um We'll see. I've always kind of thought that they were maybe holding him back as a bit of a, a part exchange bargaining mm. chip. If there was a club that wanted him, that that maybe maybe that might be a situation that pans out. So, but no, I certainly can't see any any way that this sort of the end game here is that Tyrese ultimately comes back back into the first team fold. I think too much mm. too much has gone on there now. Okay, shame. All right then. Let's move on. Let's draw a line under all of that chat and let's do a mailbag, Stewie. I think this is the first time that the Heath and Watson connection has ever done a mailbag together. Clearly, normally there's other parts or the moving parts. And one of those moving parts is the wonderful larynx, the voice box of Andy Warren, who sings before we get into mailbag, Stu. How do you feel about 
filling those massive shoes. Lungs. Lungs, yeah. <laughs> um, he's got the voice of an angel, hasn't he? I don't, I don't know if I would feel wrong. It was like the time when I had to write the story about squad numbers in his absence. It just felt disloyal somehow. I'm not sure I should. Shall we just not bother? Some things should not be changed, should they? Um, you should never do covers of, of Marvin Gaye songs, for example, or you should never remake classic films. Do not touch Back to the Future out there, all right? Um, so maybe we just shouldn't bother. I'm, out, I'm of that. out of respect, we'll just I think we'll just leave a little pause of silence and then we'll go into it. There we go. Um, right then. First question. Let's do, here we go. James Gulk. Kind of footy, but kind of not. Question for the doctor, please, he says. Reaction, if any, last night in the press box around the sponsor who was announced whenever there was a substitution. With increase of substitutes, they've got a cracking deal going on. Um, you want to bring people up to speed who maybe don't know what that was? Uh, that was probably one of my highlights of the night. Um, caused much amusement amongst the travelling, was it 1,500 or so, Ipswich Town fans. Uh, every time a substitution was made, the, the, the PA man would announce... Um, quite jovially and with some gusto that substitution sponsored by Doggy Daycare Burton, um, which then got the big way and then it turned into a charm. I can't quite remember the tune to Doggy yeah. Daycare, Doggy Daycare. Um, and it became a thing um, as, as the half went on. So um, enjoyed that. And he's got a good point, actually. You're getting a lot more bang for your buck with the substitution sponsors now. So. They're also getting good promotion, aren't they? Because, as you say, it's an unusual thing. So it's getting picked up on, I'm sure, by pretty much everyone who goes there. So Burton Doggy Daycare, I think they've done a good deal for themselves there. Right then, um, let's do a football one, Stewie. Uh, where are we? Foister wants to know, does it cause concern that Town haven't been putting a recognised centre midfielder on the bench so far? Do you think we need another for depth? Brackets, Harper, not good enough. Absolutely mm. disgusting take, Foister. Yeah, <laughs> It's not another good look for the dream, is it, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> the dream—they're opting not to go with a central midfielder on on the bench. Mm. Um, I don't know how what what sort of Harper's journey looks like from here. Um, Doesn't look good. Humphreys as well, sort of not not used, so that would maybe suggest that that a, that a loan, which McKenna's kind of alluded to, is possible there. Um, Dominic Ball is is to come back, obviously. Um, Hopefully that injury is not not too serious. So, do you need to go and rush to sign a, a central mid, midfielder just to cover a very short term loss of Dominic Ball? I, I would probably say no. You you could you can manage in in the short term if if hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Morzin Evans, you'd imagine. Hopefully, touch wood. Please don't jinx anything. A fairly robust as well. I know Evans obviously got injured towards the end of last season, but fingers crossed. Yeah, Evans has got sort of a slight injury question mark against him. And obviously there's always a feeling that Sam Morsey isn't a million miles away from suspension at, at some stage. Um, so that, that's why we have to hope that sort of Dominic Ball is is back sooner rather than later. But I mean, those two are, are nailed on central midfield starters at the moment. Um, I thought, again, they, would, they, uh, they did really well last night in, in difficult circumstances. Hmm. Martin 88 wants to know who signed off Ross's holiday request during the season. I'm missing the YouTube content. That was me, Martin. Um, classic Ross. He'd actually forgotten to book that time off. Um, so a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about who was going to miss which games and how we're going to cover, Ross said, yeah, I'm missing Burton. And I said, what? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Budapest. I've got. I said, Ross, you haven't booked any time off. Uh oh. Yeah, uh, can I have that time off? <laughs> so yeah, it was ultimately me. And apparently, legally, the boys have to have five weeks off a season or a year. So I do have to approve, even though it's maybe means we're going to miss out on YouTube content and Stu and Andy reacting, that kind of stuff. They, they are allowed holidays uh, and it is important to keep the, the squad fresh and firing. So I, I do apologise, Martin. Roscoe will be back later this week and he'll be at Shrewsbury with the boys this weekend. I can't um, wait to hear Ross's tales from Budapest. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do worry about him. His judgment of situations is, isn't the best at times. I think when, when Budapest gets hold of him. Yeah. We may never see him again. Mm. Certainly not at a time that we expect. Let's hope he's back in the country for uh, for Shrewsbury this weekend. Well, then, uh, Sindre Lyson says, is the doctor envious of Andy's breakthrough on the Norwegian scene? If you haven't seen or heard this, uh, Hutchie made his international debut on Sindre's podcast over in Norway, um, which I won't try and pronounce, uh, but we have shared links to that. So if you, if you want to listen to that, go back and listen to it. It's a good, it's a good listen, actually. Sindre and, and Andy talking about... Uh, betting English football and also some good stories from Andy's time covering Paolo Di Canio at Swindon. And Sindra, I've got to say, incredibly knowledgeable English football. Tremendous. Um, so, Stewie, it, obviously you're the biggest deal. You've got almost mm. 17,000 followers on Twitter. You are the big dog. Um, but probably not as well known in, Nor- in Norway as Hutchie is now. Does that does that grind your gears? Uh, no, because that is his... What's the word I'm looking for? That's his, his, natu- his natural habitat. Natural habitat, yeah. He's Scandi Warren, isn't he? He resides in. He loves the cool weather. I think that's his. That's his spiritual home. That's that's the phrase I was looking for. So I'm I'm, I'm pleased for him. That's. Uh, I hope he gets massive in Norway. Absolutely, uh, I, I did slightly enjoy from that pod as well. Sindre pointing out he's been pronouncing the name of his favourite band wrong for years. Roiksop. He's been saying it wrong, apparently. How anyway, do say, well, how do you say that then? How do you say Roiksop? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try and say it. it's like Roiksop or something. Um, <laughs> so yeah, go get, go and listen to Sindre's pod anyway if you want. If you want to listen to to that, Ian Wallbank says we know Mark is into combat sports. I barely mention it, but aside from football, what are the good doctors' hobbies and interests apart from working on the guns uh, and Coldplay? Decent or do they make you want to kill yourself? So that's two questions. Three, what what are your hobbies? Various questions. Yeah. Just listening to Coldplay constantly on loop. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you've you've got a, a young daughter, um, and I'm extremely naive when it comes to children. But are you still allowed to have hobbies? Uh, there's just no kid? time. There's just no yeah. time for hobbies. Um, <laughs> that's what I thought. That's why I started going to the gym, to be honest, because it kind of dawned on me that I didn't really have any hobbies away from football. The well, the it, the weird thing about this job is is football was my number one passion, still is. Mm. But it becomes there's blurred lines between sort of work and work and hobbies a little bit. So that's why I've uh, you know tried to find a few other things away from away from football. But um, yeah, I, obviously I stopped playing football once I started doing this job. So yeah, the gym the gym's kind of filled a bit of a void for me. I quite enjoy enjoying that at the moment. It's boring, but it's my life. It's um, my life. <laughs> what about Coldplay? I've got to say, it's, it's, it, I, mm, I find Coldplay incredibly tame and dull. They're kind of a, the the latitude festival of bands, aren't they? Kind of Waitrose, middle class, tofu, organic soybean, just dull. Um, incredibly average, middle of the road stuff. Yeah. What's the line from Peep Show about um, 
the, the people have spoken or something. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, the the, pe- the people like Coldplay and the Nazis as well. Don't you can't trust the people. Exactly. Um, I, the first Coldplay album's got a, you know, is something that I'll return to from time to time with with Yellow and Spies and Shiver. That, that was that was a great album, but yeah, they got got a little bit commercial over time, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a few more then, Stewie. Uh, question from Nathan Hall: Is the Doctor worried that out of our two away games, Walton single handedly won us the points? Do you need to improve defensively? And he says not by making signings. Is that a concern? I mean, what so obviously what Walton is there to do is to is to is to make saves and and contribute in that yeah. way. Is, is there a concern defensively? I take the I take the point. You don't want your goalkeeper being man of the match too often because that, that that's sort of showing that 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 that's not repeatable over a prolonged period of time. But hmm. um, I think other players have just got contributed as well. Um, to, to the manner in which they've won games. So, yeah, I wouldn't say, I'd say I'm just sort of pleased that they've got Walton rather than at the moment it, me thinking, oh, that's um, papering over any other any other cracks in the team. Defensively, we've we've had the Genoi Danassian Appreciation podcast recently after the MK Dons game. The other two in the back three, I don't think have hit the same heights as they have at the back end of last season. I think we talked about Luke Wolf and Dern has had several sloppy moments across the few games thus far. And I'm, and I'm not sure that George Edmondson is anywhere near back up to speed yet sort of post injury as well. So I definitely think the door is ajar for, for Richard Keogh again, not in the squad last night, but um, yeah, I, I think there will become a moment when, you know, there can't be too many more games from some. Sort of, I think Wolverton and Edmondson need to sort of uh, improve quickly. Otherwise, Keo will uh, Keo will be breathing down down their necks. And Cameron Burgess as well, who um, hmm. they brought him on in stoppage time last night. And um, the last action of the game was a, was a corner for Burton. And you had visions of uh, Oxford away last season, sort of going going through your mind again, thinking no. You know, they, had, they looked like they were seeing it out quite nicely. And then the goalkeeper, the sight of the goalkeeper sprinting up. And, uh, you know, with the memories fresh of um, Dieng at QPR, I don't know if you've seen that. He scored a, the goalkeeper came up for QPR and scored a really good stoppage time equaliser with his no. head at the weekend. Um, so you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. But they brought on Cameron Burgess seconds before that. And his one job was to come on and, and, and head the ball away. And he did. He headed the ball away in stoppage time. And I think that was probably his one touch. So um, there are other options defensively for Ipswich Town. That's not as set in stone, that back three, as, as maybe we thought of, you know, a few months ago. Is that you tapping on the table, by the way? Sorry. That, that yeah. It's coming across on the audio. Factor Boy, I believe, as our old friend The Pin wants to know, as Mark is king of the freebie meal, guilty, what is the best freebie, food or otherwise, either of you have ever had? Uh, I know that you, because I got a similar free beast, you, um, once got a free holiday. A cu- um, yeah, I had a couple in the, in, in the yeah. sort of the halcyon days of when, when press trips were, were to a penny and we used to mm. get them sort of pushed our way and you'd, you'd put your, your name in a little hat at work, all the journalists, and you might get you might get a weekend break in Norfolk or you might Which get a nice. big one. And, yeah. I, and I, I was lucky enough to get to land a couple of big ones in the sort of mid to late noughties. I had uh, I had a few days in Dubai, which was great. 
and uh, which was like a group press trip with other journalists. And I had um, I had a fortnight uh, Mediterranean cruise, which I was able to take my missus with uh, on as well. So yeah, they they are the best two. That was all right. I got I did I got sli- I got a cruise as well, but I got the slightly kind of short straw there. You went off on the Mediterranean on a big, essentially a big party boat, by the sound of it. Uh, I went with a, a cruise line, should we say, slightly more uh, higher age demographic uh, for a tour, tour of the Baltics. Um, and it was, you know, we went to some really interesting places, St. Petersburg, um, all, all around that, that kind of area. Andy would have loved it right in, in Andy's wheelhouse. But we were the youngest on the boat by approximately 60 years. And the boat did have a morgue, just saying. Um, I so think they, they all do. Yeah. Well, this one needed a morgue, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more questions, Stewie. Adam Day wants to know, he says, uh, when I was in my mid to late 30s, I started hitting the gym and got all buff, even if he does so so himself. Uh, At the time, I was told I was having a midlife crisis. That said, how long do the other kings think it will be before Dr. Watson rolls up to Auction Towers in a sports car with a younger side piece half his age? (laughs) Um, This was sent by Instagram because he said I didn't have the balls to put that on Twitter. Mm. Um, So, Stewie, any element you feel that... um, your, your recent beefcaking as part of a midlife crisis? <laughs> um, possibly. I mean, I'm probably the least qualified to, to see the warning signs first. Um, what does Mrs. Watson say about it all? You know, when you're sort of standing in front of the mirror, just pointing the way to the beach. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. For, for God's sake, come, you know, <laughs> put a top on and go to, go to bed now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's, she, she's not bothered to be honest if it, if it gets me out the house and, and and keeps me quiet and happy that's fine um i'll have to obviously take in some of andy warren's advice on side pieces we know he's uh, he's the expert on all things side pieces he's um, mike bacon would be my go-to man for um for getting a midlife crisis car he's uh he's got yeah. his little uh drop top beamer that he suddenly got in the last few years so um maybe i'll maybe i'll get the heath teeth done next as well yeah um Jet off to Turkey as well. You, I mean, I told you all that I'd gone to Mallorca for a family holiday yeah. recently. Did I? Or did I go to <laughs> Turkey to get the old Norwood consultation? Who knows? We'll see. I hope so. Stay tuned, listeners, because we'll, we'll see if there are any more signs of Stu having midlife crisis. I would say, like you say, there are definitely signs of all of us. Well, apart from Hutchie, really, and Roscoe, obviously, he's not old enough. Elements of midlife crises going on amongst all of us, perhaps. Um, for various reasons. Right, three more questions, Stewie. This is a good one from Richard Lee, and I need your ruling on this because it, it affects the, the pod as a whole. It says, at, at what point is it acceptable to be excited as a town fan? These kind of situations with Ipswich doing well make me feel entirely uncomfortable. We can all relate to that. When is it okay to start boarding the good ship HMS Piss the League? So we've been here before, Stu. We have to say that. This has happened before, and we've spoken again. How this feels slightly different. They are top yeah. of the league evidence-based that you know they're looking better there's a whole kind of wealth of evidence behind it and a feeling behind it but when can we start to actually think do you know what this might actually be this might actually be it boys something that's not happened for almost a quarter of a century maybe something maybe maybe afoot yeah just just embrace it now life's too too short like embrace the excitement i'm not you know don't we don't have to get that's it they're gonna win the league it's gonna you know like but just enjoy the ride that's what football fandom's all about it can't be like oh it might it might all fall apart or it might be this it does feel different this time to me and i'm I'm trying not to get carried away but as i said right at the very start of this it's which are ticking off 
some little boxes as they go along the way. Can they do this? Yes. Can they win three league games in a row, which they didn't do for the whole of last season? Yes. You know, and Andy and I were kind of, we walked out last night, whole ground was emptied, last car in the car park, walking across the car park. And I kind of looked at Andy and he was, I could see he was sort of smiling a bit and I was the same. And I went, this this could be a good season, couldn't it? And he went, yeah. I think it might, you know, and it was, a, it was a bit like that. And it just, um, if you feel it, I think your instinct knows. I think before it's felt manufactured, the hype, the optimism, the excitement, it's felt like we've had to self-generate it and convince ourselves. Because mm. even when, uh, think back to that first season after relegation and when they went up to Fleetwood and they did that silly handhold waving in front of the away end with, with Paul Lambert and... Um, they were top after, I think, 11 games in, into that season. Nord and Jackson had started so well. And there were doubts in the back of my mind that the performances didn't underpin the results. Um, this time, I feel like there's a bit of substance behind yeah. what, what they're doing. Um, I, I might be wrong. I think that, you know, last night's game could easily have gone the other way. We're saying, oh, they stood up to the challenge. They did this. If that goal goes in in the first minute... Burton have got something to defend or, you know, fine margins in games, goals change games, and that, that could have easily have gone the other way. And the whole conversation we're having today is is a little bit different. Um, and there will be moments like that at some stage that probably put a few more doubts in our mind again. And yes, there's a long way to go and all of that. But um, yeah, it just feels... It just feels like there's something in there at the moment. And um, why not? Embrace it. Life's too short. Do you know what I think about it? I mean, clearly, we've been in this situation with Town doing well to start the season before. But looking back at those times now with the benefit of hindsight, you think you're always trying to kind of um, justify, find reasons that they were to cling on to. Uh, but it never felt like everything was was quite in place, did it? Like there was always something missing, perhaps, whether it be, you know, Marcus Evans and the lack of investment and the feeling around the club and all that kind of stuff. Um, now, you could you could literally make a compelling argument in court, couldn't you? that everything is in place for town now. You've got the owners, you've got the investment, you've got the feeling around the club, the fans absolutely buzzing. And now finally as well, you've got what looks to be a really good squad in place, you know, with, with players all over the place, um, even coming off the bench that you could argue are maybe too good for this level. Um, certainly should be high performing at this level. So for me, it feels like everything is finally slotted together. And I hope, I really hope, Stu, for your sake, more than anyone else's, and obviously all the fans, <laughs> Um, that we get some success because you've reported on town for, I think this is your 12th season, isn't it? It's my 12th season of sports editor. And yeah, all definitely. you've had all you've had is that one playoff season. The rest of it's been pretty relentlessly shit, um, much like all the fans have experienced. So we we deserve we deserve a good season, Stewie. Yeah, never mind me. The one this is uh, the fans that never cease to amaze me that, you know, home and away, the away sport again, 1,500 or so at Burton last night who were magnificent with us support um i thought they were really good in the way i thought they were supporters in the true sense of the word that you know it was backs against the wall in that first half and there was no we've talked about it feels weird and we're, we're always waiting for that false dawn to come with ipswich and there's a lot of scars that run run deep i think with anyone that's followed ipswich over the last decade or so and, and that kind of it's very easy to feel very cynical about about things and that could trans that could um that could sort of come into the psyche of those that go to the games, but didn't last night when they're under the cosh. I thought the fans really got behind them and McKenna made a point afterwards of saying that 
I don't think we'd have won that game without without the fans. They were that kind of um, mm. proverbial 12th man that kind of willed the ball to stay out of that net that they were behind and surrounding in the first half and they kind of sucked it into the net in, in the second half. It's um, So they're, they're the ones that I will be delight, delighted for. They'll be... Um, you know they they deserve it. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you know we've, they've done the hard yards with Ipswich Town, and um, I don't think anyone would begrudge Ipswich Town a, a successful season. However, that looks this year. It's crazy, isn't it? Almost a quarter of a century since since the club got promoted, won promotion, had a you know a memorable season. You might say, incredible. Um, Chris Miles, two more questions to you. Chris Miles wants to know: Team Spirit looks great in the Town Camp this year. Scenario: The shadowy Archant figures give you one grand to spend on KOA team building. What are the King's choices? Um, a, there's absolutely zero chance we'd get a grand from anyone for team building. Um, but if we did, Stu, in this fictional world that we're in, what what would you like us to spend it on so we could build some team bonds, which evidently do not exist between the five of us? Mm. Yes, it's all an, a- an act. I mean, we absolutely <laughs> despise each other off, off camera. Um, what could we spend it on? Well, would you want to go away, for example? Would we have like a, you know, go and do one of them assault courses in the Cotswolds or something? Um, or would we just blow it all on some massive, some massive piss up? Uh, I mean, I, I'd imagine there'll be, there would be divergent factions in the group. Um, Andy would, you know, want to do something kind of chilled and laid back and, you know, maybe even looking, going to see the Northern Lights or something. Uh, and Mike would want to go straight to Spain. Um and whack it all on sangria. Um, so, yeah, I think there would be differences. Uh, I, I don't know if we could come to a consensus. Maybe the, the best thing to do would be just to split it up and we all go our own way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the opposite of team building. <laughs> um, maybe something, like we could do some go-karting or something and then really sort of see, put Ross's driving skills to, to the test on that. That would be kind of a bit of team get... bonding, but also uh, helping Ross sort of reach his goal as well. That'd get really competitive, though. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It's a good idea. It's nice to think about, isn't it? And final question, my favourite question of the day. It's important. From Mark Beck, our old friend Mark Beck. Sausage rolls, he says. What is the most important aspect? The pastry or the quality of the sausage meat? Really good question. Sort of question we like here on KOA because I consider myself something of a sausage roll connoisseur, Stu, as I do for a lot of foods. And for me, it's not. It's you need a, you need quality sausage meat. Clearly, you need quality pastry. But for me, what's important in a sausage roll is the ratio of the two. You don't want too little sausage meat, too much pastry, and likewise, you don't want too much sausage meat and, and not enough pastry. So the ratio has got to be exactly right. You want that crust on the outside. You want it to flake as you as you bite into it. A little bit, little bit of bite to the the pastry, and you want that sausage meat to be really meaty, well seasoned, um, and rich and 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 kind of well flavored you don't want that cheap mm. sausage stuff which looks like uh like slightly gray mm. uh, and, and you reckon has been you've been made from various dis, dis, discarded parts yes yeah it's got like four percent pork content yeah if, if exactly you, if you dare to look at the uh the packaging um you're, you've got me salivating now i'm off to greg's <laughs> does Greg's tick, does a Greg sausage roll tick any of those boxes that you've just described? I'm it's not, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be my. No. It wouldn't be my go-to place for a sausage roll. Um, but you know, I reckon it's it's. If you're in that sort of mood, I think it probably still tick a box. 
I remember when we did the, the Three Peaks, for example, Stewie, and we we started out with our <clears throat> bowls of chicken and pasta and we were absolutely obsessed with getting protein in and carbs. And by the end of it, we were, we were literally running into Greg's at every stop um, on the road to, to buy whatever filth we could get our hands on because all it mattered was getting calories in and getting through it. Right then, Stu, that brings us to the end of Mailbag. Let's talk more about football, shall we? Um, I don't know where you are in terms of your psyche because I had this problem with Andy last week after the Colchester game. He frankly did not care about NK Dons at the weekend. Hadn't even thought about it. Couldn't care less about the game. He'd had about four hours sleep. Same scenario for you. Shrewsbury away this weekend, friend. And while you maybe compose some thoughts, I'll also just mention a couple of results last night in League One which caught my eye. Um, Chiefly, he says, loading the the League One results, which he really should have done before. Um, There was a result, Charlton. I want to say they beat Plymouth 5-1 last night, Charlton. I will just confirm that. Um, Because obviously Plymouth came off the back of uh, being Peterborough at the weekend, didn't they? So 5-1 Charlton won last night, which is incredible. I'm still trying to get to the scores. There we go. Um, Barnsley had a big win over Bristol Rovers. Had obviously started well. 3-0 it was Barnsley. Um, Exeter continued to surprise you. They beat Wickham 3-1 last night. Um, Exeter apparently have only signed two players so far in this window. Um, <clears throat> MK Don's got their first win of the season against Port Vale. Portsmouth hoshed Cambridge 4-1. Again, Pickett was on the bench for Portsmouth last five night. 5-5 and five for Colby Bishop now. Mm, yeah, uh, and the team that, that Town are going to travel to this weekend held Derby County 0-0 at home. I believe, Stu, it was either you or Andy, I think it was you, had Shrewsbury as your dark horse going this it's season. Me. And I believe I'm right in saying Andy, when asked a question about when Town would lose their first game, this season, said he was worried about Shrewsbury away. Did he? So, do you, how do you feel going into this one? Well, my my hot take from our big pre-season podcast is already out the window. If you remember, I boldly predicted when Ipswich, is, when Ipswich would finally get their first three back-to-back league wins. And I believe I said it was in September time. Already happened, um, mate. Already done. And it's, and it's done. It's done. Yeah. It's ticked off. Um, and that felt, I'll be honest, I, when I'm just looking at the fixtures. Yeah, I said it would happen at the start of September. Ipswich were going to go to Accrington away, then successive home games against Cambridge and Bristol Rovers. And that felt wildly optimistic at the time. Like, really? Going to go that early with it? And it's already happened in advance of that. Um this isn't going to be plain sailing the whole way through. I've seen some questions on there. Can we go unbeaten the whole season and all of that? No, um, that's not going to happen. Um, Shrewsbury, I think, is, is a is a tough game for Ipswich to go to. It sounds like it was the sort of classic game of two halves. It's been described as sort of an entertaining 0-0 draw against Derby last night. Derby had the, the best of the first half, but Shrewsbury came... Um, flying back at them in, in the second half. I, I like some of the business that they've done in the summer. Jordan Shipley, um, they got from Coventry, the sort of attacking attacking midfielder, plays that inside left forward role, someone that Ipswich had been linked with in the past. Udo up front is a, is a big, powerful striker. Um, Leahy, their captain, I like. George Nurse on the left side, had West Burns in his pocket at the back end of last season. And then you look at their back three, that is packed with experience now. They've got Pennington, Matt Pennington, formerly of this parish, mm. Che Dunkley and Tom Flanagan as well, previously of, of Sunderland. So um, 
uh, yeah, I think that's a, a tough old game for Ipswich to go to. But what Ipswich have done, I would say, from getting 10 points from their first four games is means that I would say going going to Shrewsbury and getting a draw this weekend, I think I'd be all right with that. I think that would be a decent result. It would keep, keep uh, the unbeaten start rolling. It would keep the kind of two-point average um, ticking along. Obviously, we hope for more. Um, Ipswich will have to believe that every game they go into that they can and, and will win but um, mm. a draw wouldn't be a disaster when I when I look at this fixture I would say mm. Is there anything I mean obviously we're a few days away from and we haven't had the press conference we don't know anything about injuries but is there any kind of obvious tickles you would make to the side would you bring the likes of Davis and, and Chaplin back in for Saturday? Uh, yes to both I think I would yeah yeah, I think it's, a, it's probably a different type of type of game, and th- and this is Chaplin certainly. I thought was you know was outstanding, probably one of if not his best game mm. for Ipswich um, last weekend against MK Dons. Maybe him dropping out of the team last night was seen as Shrewsbury's a tougher game than the Burton pot- potentially, and that will, will keep him fresh for that one. And, um, but he'll he'll come back in definitely. I think Davis will come back in. Certainly, it's whether Wes Burns is is fit um, to come back in on that right side. I, I would imagine if if everyone's okay, it will be back to the team that that played MK Dons. Maybe a question mark over Keo, as, as we've discussed at some stage, but that will just probably happen out of the blue without us, you know, even talking about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another tricky game for, for Ipswich Town to um, to come Never. through. To navigate. navigate, yeah, they're all, they're all tricky games. Yeah, I mean, what was it like? Yeah, I think I was looking at. So we were looking at it like for like fixtures and what they're up on last season. It's a Bolton at home already. You're a point up on that. They lost five to, five mm. to at home to Bolton. Got a draw this time. Uh, Forest Green away. Obviously, Forest Green weren't in the division last year, but I would say the equivalent was newly promoted Cheltenham away in the early stages of last season. Lost that two one. So they're three three points up on on that one. That's four points up. Um, MK Dons at home drew that two two in the early stages of last season. Won that this time. So that's another two points up. Um, so what's that? Six points up. And then last night um, beat Burton away, which was, was again was another game they lost away from home. So mm. um, it's all signs. And I think. Kieran McKenna is is talking about this going into all the games. We talked about how he was very cognizant of the fact that they didn't beat a team that had got promoted last year. He's talked last night about how there'd been a lot in talk in the dressing room, how, how they hadn't won three league games in a row last year. So I think they've setting themselves all these little milestones, things that they needed to rectify from last season. And, and obviously coming back to Shrewsbury, finally, that was one of those games where really should have won, left the door open, conceded uh, it was Wally, wasn't it, who scored a really good goal from outside the box towards the end of last season. And it was one of those um, two points slipped through their fingers opportunities. So uh, another chance to kind of show that they're, uh, they're a better team than they were last season this Saturday. Hmm. Let's not, not take any, I know they won't, let's not take any risk with Webb Burns. So if he is carrying a small knock, don't need to rush him back. Um, obviously, the concern is, given he's played so much football, that he may succumb to an injury at some point early in this season. So, no risk with him, please. Stu, I need to ask you, because I'm contractually obliged to ask you for a prediction. I know it's nonsense this far out from a game. Uh, Andy Warren has said that they'll win this game to nil. That was part of his double mm. for Monday. Part one's already in the bag. 
do you think he's got a chance of, of, of winning that bet? Uh, yeah, you've got to say he's got a chance. I think was it Kieran? I saw a stat saying Kieran McKenna's win ratio now is fifty percent in charge of Ipswich Town, which is which is outstanding. Um, he must have had what I think it was twenty eight games. You might correct me. That's just off the top of my head, and I think uh, there's a pretty healthy percentage of clean sheets in amongst those games as well. Um, I did tell Andy on the way up yesterday before the game, I said, if that prediction comes true and they do win these two games to nil mm. and they're halfway there now, I will guarantee that Ipswich finish in the top six. Whoa. Hold on. I will that... damn guarantee. So if they win with a clean sheet on Saturday, I guarantee Ipswich will finish in the top six. There we go. Shots fired early doors before the end of August, that would be. Stewie Watson, Garen Dam teeing. Uh, in the manner of the Rock and not Stone Cold Stuart Watson, that um, Stuart, that, that town would finish in the top six. Incredible scenes. What's if, the score if, gonna... if they win to nil? What's the score going to be then, Stu? Don't say two one now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the score is going to be one apiece. Okay, so you won't be guaranteeing. <laughs> there you go, pouring cold water on your fire straight away. Yeah. One one. A draw would be a decent result, though. I reckon at Shrewsbury, obviously just held Derby, but I think Town are going to win. I'm saying things are rolling nicely. I reckon they might scrape a 2-0 uh, where they've been 1-0 up for, for most of the game and, and get a breakaway, win 2-0. But then I've been wrong on every single prediction so far this season, Stu, so don't listen to me. Right then, friends, that brings us towards the end of the football part of the podcast. A couple of other things I want to touch on before we take our leave, five minutes or so, Stewie. A couple of other things big happening this weekend away from Shrewsbury. One, obviously, is in Saudi Arabia, uh, Andy, uh, Andy, <laughs> Anthony Joshua fights Alexander Usyk, which I'm obviously very interested in. I won't be able to watch it. There's links there with Fabio Wardley, obviously sponsored now by Town. He's been a sparring partner for both of those. Usyk's used him a couple of times in camps, actually. And he, he's told me that Usyk is unbelievable to be in the ring with. He's done things that uh, he's never seen before in there. So Usyk is clearly the favourite. For me, you can find out a very good indicator of who wins that fight will be within the very first minute. Look for Usyk's lead foot, the southpaw right foot. Last fight, he had that constantly on the outside of Joshua's, which meant he had the pick of the angles on him. And Joshua never adjusted. So if Joshua comes out and immediately tries to get his his lead foot outside Usyk's, you know something has been worked on and he may have a chance uh, of winning a fight. But ultimately, I don't think he will. The most important thing, though, Stu, um, that's happening this weekend is the return of and we do we we spoke about it a lot on this show, um, KOA TV reviews, the House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spin-off. Um, I'm very excited about this. Obviously, Game of Thrones ended in a, in a steaming pile of horsemen, yeah, in my opinion. Um, but now it's back with a prequel. Lots of big name actors involved. The the uh, what's call it trailers look tremendous. I don't know if you had time to see any of it. I know you'll be excited about it. You're a huge fan of Game of Thrones. How are you feeling about this? Yeah, I've kind of steered clear of, of trailers and anything about it all. Uh, it was a bit of a disappointing rushed end mm. to, to Game of Thrones, wasn't it? They, I think the producers were keen to race off and do Star Wars. Um, yeah, so you ju I'm just hoping it's not it's not rubbish is kind of my <laughs> my low bar that I've set going into it. I think, what, is it a prequel set like hundreds of years? In, so it's, it's 200, years, 200 years before the... the, the um the Game of Thrones story starts and it basically follows the Targaryens and the decline of, of the Targaryen reign. So 
a lot of them have got excellent blonde hair. Uh, Matt Smith, formerly of Doctor Who and The Crown, plays essentially, I think he's going to be the villain of the piece. Someone who wants to, to take over from um, the, the Ned Stark esque character. You know, uh, you've got, um, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Paddy Considine, who is who is the kind of the, the king at the start, much like a, a Ned Stark, Sean Bean scenario, where you've got a really respected English actor in a kind of key role. I don't think that bodes well for him, Stu, I would mm. say, in this series. I'm not sure he's going to be seeing the end of it. Um, but yeah, it's essentially like the machinations around who takes over and there's a, there's a daughter, there's a brother, there's various factions all over the spot. There's loads of dragons clearly. Um, so yeah, I, I just hope it's good Stu, just like you, mm. um, because obviously game of Thrones didn't end as it probably should have done. I've got a friend actually just had an operation who's never seen game of Thrones and he's watching them all through. And I don't have the heart to tell him when he's talking excitedly about like series six and winter is coming and all that. I don't want to tell him, mate. Don't get too excited because the end is. <laughs> don't build your hopes up because the end is toilet. Um, there we go. So yeah, I'll definitely be watching that. I think that's Sunday night that starts. Um, so there, there's your nerd, your nerd chat for the end of the uh, end of the show. Um, and no doubt we'll have a chat about that next week because we're all going to watch it. I'm sure. Um, Stuart, have you got any other business before we take our leave? And I'll try and upload this. Uh, I have no other business. You sure? No, I don't think so. Oh, thank you to uh, to Ronald McDonald for uh, the complimentary <laughs> hot chocolates on our journey home. Complimentary? Yeah. Uh, all it is is Andy just sort of took a quick swerve into the golden arches. No, no, I didn't circle. We didn't circle the face. That doesn't work. So it doesn't work in Ipswich, let alone as far afield as Burton. Um, the, the rain was causing havoc with the... Um, with the little card machine as they were sort of poking it in out of the window. Uh, can you pay in cash? I could pay in cash, but I said, no, we've got no cash. What are we going to do about this? We're in the middle of, we're in the middle of the driveway queue. Can't reverse, can't go forward. Going to have to be complimentary, aren't they? So um, they just gave you them. They had to. Couldn't wow. take our money. It's not my fault. There's something to try, Kings of Anglia Army. Um, if you want, a, you want a free hot chocolate or indeed anything else, and you've got the balls to try it, high risk strategy. That I, I will say. Um, I wonder if it maybe because obviously Hutch used to work for McDonald's. I wonder if he, he knew the secret codes or passwords or something. Maybe, maybe he did like a little Mason's little, little, hand, little handshake one. wink thing. Yeah, that I didn't yeah. spot just to <laughs> impress me. Right then, friends, um, it's been the Heath and Watson connection on this podcast for 70 minutes of varying quality of chat around <laughs> Ipswich Town. Um, <laughs> please support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery and also support us across all social medias. Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, um, particularly YouTube if you can. The boy Roscoe will be back from Budapest, hopefully this weekend so look out for game day and everything else from shrewsbury yeah keep your fingers crossed and the boys obviously will be there as well have a great weekend if you are going to the game enjoy it let's hope the town can keep this winning feeling going uh, if you're not follow it all with the boys uh, online and it'll be in print on monday and we will return friends after what is surely going to be an epic weekend of sport and entertainment to discuss it all next monday <laughs>